Hey, thank you so much for joining me. This is Pastor Shegun Aigbisi, and I am the founder and director of the Gathering Faith Leadership Network. We are a pastoral training ministry that's located in the city of Jos in Plateau State in Nigeria. And our mission is to encourage, equip, and strengthen pastors and ministry leaders. And today I want to share with you um, 10 life situations to keep in mind when you're preaching this weekend. Uh, as pastors, we have the honor of teaching people God's word week in, week out. And I can tell you from experience, there have been times when I have poured my heart and soul into preparing a sermon. I've prayed through it only to find out when I delivered on Sunday, it's just not connecting, at least from my perspective, it's not. And sometimes that's not on me. Sometimes the Holy Spirit does things that we can't even imagine and that we can't see on the surface. However, that doesn't take away the need for us to be as prepared as uh, as much as we possibly can. And so in today's podcast, what I really want to share with you is the 10 different life situations to keep in mind when you're preparing to preach. Because uh, if, say, for example, you're preparing a message to teach your congregation about raising a godly family. Well, the reality is that not everyone sitting in your congregation is a godly family or even a family unit yet. Your congregation listening to you may include, you know, the guy who's been married and divorced twice. It, it may include a grandfather or grandmother who's just living alone far away from her kids. It, it could include the single and desperate person who's desperate for marriage or doesn't want to get married or even the college student who's still wrestling with their sexuality. And so as pastors, preachers, and communicators of God's word, men, we need to enter into the lives of those people we're called to minister to and speak the living words of Christ into their circumstances in such a way that, man, they feel like we were there with them last week when they were going through whatever they were going through. And so with this in mind, and, and of course, in agreement with the Holy Spirit's leading when you preach, um, I want to share with you uh, 10 life situations of, of the people that I find myself ministering to on any given Sunday, some of who will be sitting in your church this weekend who are eager to hear from you, but just want to know that you understand where they're at. So here we go. 10 life situations of people in your church. Number one is um, the single parent with kids. That might be a man or a woman single parent with kids, right? So uh, these people are carrying on their single shoulders the responsibility of two people, but all by themselves, multiplied by the number of children that they have. Uh, they're probably working multiple jobs just to make ends meet, and perhaps are still reeling, they're still suffering or going through the impact of separation. So here's the deal. When you preach to the single parent with kids, remind them that your church is a welcome home for them no matter what they've experienced in their background. Show them that, that no matter what the shame or any shame or guilt that they may be carrying as a result of their situation, that that shame has been nailed to the cross and Christ has promised never to leave them or forsake them. Remind them, in fact, from the Bible, that Jesus himself at one point was raised by a single mother at whatever point it was that Joseph had passed on and, and Mary had, because when we get to the Gospels, Joseph is not there, Joseph is not there anymore. Remind them that Jesus at one point was raised by a single mother. Remind them of men like Timothy, whose mother and grandmother left him a, a lasting um, a legacy. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 to find out Timothy's story, right? So that's for the single parent raising kids. Life situation number two is the grandparent with kids living far away. 
So um, for this grandparent, life is lonely for them. Uh, they may or may not be estranged from their children and grandkids, but, but they're not in regular contact with them, right? Furthermore, the, the world has become too technologically advanced for them, which deepens their sense of isolation because there's not a lot they're able to engage in. I mean, it could be as simple as just them not knowing how to watch your sermons online. I mean, this past year of this pandemic has been one of the just a really difficult time for older people who really don't know how to engage the Internet. And so those folks may be in your, in your congregation. So when you preach to them, remind them of the older men and women in the Bible who left a lasting godly legacy. Remind them that they have a lot to offer by the very virtue, by virtue of the fact that they've lived twice, sometimes three times, sometimes four times, as long as many people in the congregation and, and their, their high points and their low points, their wins and their failures serve as powerful life lessons that they can share with those who have not yet lived it. Encourage the older ones with Psalm 145 verse 4. And urge them, as scripture does, to commend to the next generation the mighty works of God that they experienced in their lifetime. So that's life situation number two. Life situation number three is just, you know, I'm going to call it, they're the orphan. The orphan, and I literally mean orphan. That's not symbolic for anything else. And I know it may seem odd that I'm adding this group to this list, but in my present ministry context here in Joss, Nigeria, orphans are the norm. And man, I have had to relearn how to convey the father's great love to people who have no dads at home, right? Uh, so this may have happened either through maybe dad passed away or dad just abandoned them or they were born with no dad in the picture or mom in the picture. And, and so these individuals have never heard the affirming words of a father ever say to them, I love you and I'm proud of you. As a result, the orphan in your audience may struggle to relate with your constant reference to, you know, our loving father in heaven. So here's the deal. When you preach to this group, don't, I mean, don't stop talking about God the father. If anything at all, uphold the picture of God the father as the perfect picture of what our, what our earthly dads never were or failed to be, even though they may have tried. Remind the orphans from Ephesians chapter 1 that God chose and adopted them into his family, not because of anything they've done or because of their performance, but simply because it pleased God to do so. Then get up in close and personal with the orphan and remind them that you are proud of them and you'll be there for them should they need a listening ear. Life situation number four is the struggling non-Christian who may be visiting your church for the first time or is a regular attendee. And this person may be at your church and in your audience, not just because life has not lived up to its hype, but more importantly, because God has been working on their hearts and the Holy Spirit has been drawing them near to God. Remember that no man can come to God the Father unless God the Father initiates the process. And so for this reason, you don't need to beat him over the head with your hellfire sermons because, listen, its imminent reality is a part of what led them to church. They're worrying about what their eternal life may be. So a few things. First of all, when you're preaching to the non-Christian in your congregation, remember that they don't speak church lingo. Uh, they don't know church history. When you say things like, hey, remember the time that the prophet Elijah did this? Or, or remember what the prophet Elijah said? Well, they don't know who Elijah is. Or, or maybe you say something like, let's all walk in the freedom of the spirit through the blood that sets us free. That's good for you to say. But listen, the, the non-Christian audience have no idea what you mean. 
So here's how it works. Explain Jesus to them as simply as simple as possible. Explain Jesus to them as you would to a young child and go out of your way to paint the picture of their loving father in heaven seeking out his lust lost son. That's them. Remember that what they most need to hear is that Jesus loves them, Jesus died for them, Jesus rose again, and Jesus alone can reconcile them back into a right relationship with God. So, you know, basically, stick to the gospel. Life situation number three is the happily, and I when I say happily, I'm putting that in quotes, the happily married couple who's actually on the verge of divorce. So this couple at your church, they look well put together as can be. But they just had another huge fight again this morning before coming to church. And words were spoken that cut so deep that it's distracting them from actually hearing your sermon. Now, uh, the reason for divorce may be multitude. I mean, it could be due to adultery, abuse, or just really bad communication. Whatever it is, both or at least one of them has already decided that the marriage is going to end. And they're at your church. So here's the deal. When you preach to them, uphold marriage as an institution that God himself established from the beginning, starting with Adam and Eve. And for this reason, uh, marriage is not a covenant that one should easily throw away. Remind them that Jesus compared the relationship of husband and wife to his relationship with the church. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 27. Then really quickly shifts to the reality of godly married couples in the scriptures who got it wrong a lot of the time. Remind them of people like Abraham who didn't always do right by Sarah, yet he remains the patriarch of our faith. Remind them of people like David, the man after God's own heart, who didn't exactly start off as husband material when he met with when he met Bathsheba. And of course, let's not forget that Adam himself was ready to blame all of humanity's problem on Eve when God confronted him about the first sin in Genesis chapter 3, verse 12. The point is this. Show them that one sinful person who's been saved by God's grace plus another sinful person saved by the same grace of God does not equal happily ever after. Help them see that marriage takes work. It's a lifetime marathon with peaks and valleys that couples will need to work hard through. And be honest with yourself. If you feel ill-equipped to do this, then find a Christian marriage counselor you can point them to and then point them in that direction. All right, life situation number six, I would describe as the wealthy and comfortable person or people or family sitting in your congregation. So here's the deal with them. Um, their tithes and offering probably covers about a third of your overall church budget. Yet, you must be careful not to cater your sermons to them. These people need to hear the full truths of Scripture, even the hard and uncomfortable ones, just as much as the middle class and the poor in your audience. And so when you preach to this group, help them see from the Scripture that all their material wealth and all their possession is a gift that has been entrusted to them by God to manage for a season. Let me say that again. When speaking to the well-to-do in your congregation, remind them that every wealth, every material possession they own is a gift from God that has been entrusted to them by God to manage for a season. Help them see that true wealth doesn't come from accumulating more things on earth as Luke chapter 12 verse 20 shows us, but rather true wealth comes by investing wisely in the things that will last for all eternity. And two things will last for all eternity, namely people 
and the spreading and, and, the, and the scriptures, which really refers to the spreading of the gospel. Right. So uh, teach and help them become biblically prepared to answer the ultimate question that God will ask every believer at the end of the age, which is this. What did you do with all I've entrusted to you? That's the question we must all be ready to answer when we stand before Jesus, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, and Matthew 16, verse 27. All right, life situation number seven is the single person in your congregation who is hoping for marriage. So here's the deal about this group. They are career-minded. Um, and something else is that their lives revolve around their friendship with other singles. They are all about community. They love Jesus, but would also like to meet someone who they can grow a family with who also loves Jesus. Yet that may be frustrated. Uh, they may be frustrated that, that there's no marriage material option in your church. And they're starting to eye other churches in the community with more singles. On the other end is, is those people who are visiting your church simply because you have a sweeping number of singles. So here's the deal when you preach to singles. Help them see that this season of singleness in their life is a gift unlike any other period in their adulthood. Let them know that there's a possibility they might never ever take a nap again once you start having kids. When you're preaching about family, love, and relationships, be sure also to include in your sermon their single life stage and the experiences they might go through. Consider teaching a biblical series on singleness, or I think about the book of uh, Song of Solomon, or, or Ruth, or Jacob, or, and, and Rachel, Jacob and Rachel. But perhaps most importantly for singles, create opportunities, create, create roles for them within your church to serve, and then invite them to be a part of that community. I personally love the vision. Uh, this is something I've seen done before, but I love the vision of each family in your church adopts one single person that they're going to open their home with to that that person can come do life with them. I mean, that's how you do community. So that's life situation number seven. Life situation number eight is what I describe as the missionary slash evangelist in training. So this person is restless, right? But in a good way. Uh, in, in a best case scenario, this person is eager to jump into any ministry opportunity that's available at the church, and they are constantly on the forefront of starting new ministries in your church to reach new people. In a worst case scenario, these people are restless in an unhealthy way and may end up accusing you of not doing enough to reach lost people in your community or may feel like serving in your church is stifling them from being and doing all that God has called them to be. So here's the deal. When you preach to this group of people, first of all, don't condemn them and don't kick them out, okay? You know, unless, of course, they are truly toxic, in which case, bye, like, I mean, let go of them, right? Uh, the reality, though, for many congregants like this is that they may have the the very well may have the gift of evangelism and and perhaps even an apostolic type calling on their life, which makes them the perfect candidate for missionary type work. And so the key to ministering to them is to intentionally coach them, then launch them into a ministry outside a church that fits their gifting. Stay in touch with them because they will hit a roadblock at some point and coach them through it and, you know, remind them of Paul's missionary journeys and trials. Teach them when you speak with them, not only about the spiritual highs that you've experienced serving the Lord in ministry, but teach them about the dark nights of the soul when you've considered quitting ministry. And most of all, remind the missionary slash evangelist in training that ministry isn't about starting off with fireworks and excitement, but it's about finishing well. It's about preserve, per persevering 
every step of the way and finishing the race well so that when the chief shepherd appears, according to 1 Peter 5, 1 to 4, when the chief shepherd appears, they will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. All right. Life situation number nine is uh, the person in your congregation who is secretly gay or transgender. So this person um, is struggling with whether to continue to be a part of the church or to jump in full-fledged with the LGBTQ, I think, I community. Um, they've remained in church either due to tradition or because of a genuine encounter that they had with Jesus Christ. They are, however, battling between what they're hearing from the pulpit about the Bible's condemnation of homosexuality and what the changing culture is telling them, saying, you're just fine the way God created you. So they are wrestling, right? So when you preach to this group of people, first of all, understand that the main issue is their relationship with God, not their sexuality. Yes, absolutely. Certainly their relationship with God includes their sexuality, but it's not the totality of who they are. And you have to help them see that. Take the time to learn about the whole person, about them. And remember that all of us struggle with relationships, identity, and sexuality. No matter what label they've chosen to place on themselves, remind them and view them as a man or a woman made in God's image, not as homosexual, not as transgender, and definitely not as a project. Perhaps most important in your time with them is to point them to Jesus, not to heterosexuality. Above all else, Jesus Christ is who they need to look more like. So make sure as a pastor preaching, you continually hold up Jesus and his words as the model of what godliness can and should look like in their life. And then let Christ do the work of conforming them into his image. And then finally, life situation number 10, and this one you'll like, is your wife and kids. Hopefully they go to your church. You know, a case can be made that this is your most important audience when you're preaching because you are first and foremost the pastor of your home before you are a pastor at church. Besides that, your wife and kids know the real you and can tell if what you're saying from the pulpit matches up with who you are at home. And that's important, my friends, because for this group, your sermon and ministry starts at home. In fact, a good habit that I've learned over the years is to share with my family through the week what I'm learning about the sermon that I'm preaching the coming weekend. I, like, it's nothing formal or official, but it's more of, you know, when I get back from work, I'll go, hey, guys, guess what I would learn today about, you know, Moses's brother and sister when they were young? Or, or guess what I learned today when I was studying this passage? And, and what's great about this conversation at home is that it, it, it actually ends up becoming a really exciting thing because when my family hears the full sermon on Sunday, they feel like they've already gotten the inside scoop that no one else has and so it's a very good habit to share with your family as you're going along what you're learning the other important lesson to keep in mind when it comes to your family is to extend to your family the same grace that you extend to your congregation members lead your family by example in their faithfulness to god yet at the same time allow them the space and grace to grow in their love for jesus christ at their own pace and that, my friends, are the 10 life situations to keep in mind when you're preaching this weekend. Now, if you are a pastor or some kind of regular communicator who teaches God's word, you might have been experiencing one of two emotions um, as you were listening to this list. On the one hand, you might find this list very encouraging and eye-opening because you now have a better understanding of who is in your church and how to address your sermon to them. 
On the other hand, however, there might be those of you listening to this list who are frustrated because you're wondering how in the world you're supposed to address all of these different life situations in one sermon. So here's the reality. You cannot speak to everyone's life situation in every sermon. Rather, you should know the story of those God has entrusted to you. Prepare each sermon with the knowledge of the people God has entrusted to your care. In other words, you need to know your flock, you need to know your audience, and your intimate knowledge as you spend time with them and do life with them, combined with the awe-inspiring power of the Holy Spirit working in you and in them, will result in sermons that cut through all their life clutter and speaks directly to their hearts. This means that sometimes in the middle of a sermon, you may spot a congregant member whose story you know, and in the middle of that sermon, trusting the Holy Spirit, you need to quickly pivot your intended sermon direction to speak to their life situation biblically, but not in a way that embarrasses them, but rather in a way that speaks to their heart. Brothers and sisters in the pulpit, listen, as you step up to the pulpit to preach this weekend, man, I pray that this list blesses you. I pray that the author of life fills you to overflow and empowers you in order that you might minister powerfully to those entrusted to you and they might experience the fullness of Christ in every aspect of their lives. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Once again, I hope it blesses you. And once again, my name is Shegun Ayigusi and I am the founder and director of the Gathering Faith Leadership Network in the city of Joss. Please check out our Facebook page and our website, thegatheringfaithleadership.network, will soon be released. Hope to stay in touch with you then. God bless you. Have a great week.